your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome in to this bonus episode edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. For everybody on the Winnipeg Jets feed, let me introduce myself. My name is Armando Velez. I'm from pantherparkway.com and the host of Locked On Panthers. And this is the first time we are doing a crossover between the Florida Panthers, and the Winnipeg Jets. And I have on the host of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, Harrison Lee. Harrison, how are you doing today? Not too bad in yourself. I'm doing well. Uh, it's funny because for the sole purposes of the show, we've been talking for like over a week now about getting together and recording. The purposes of the show was really to talk about the Florida Panthers hiring of Paul Maurice to get the Winnipeg Jets perspective on everything. But because of the recent bombshell that's been, you know, reported based on who the Jets are will be hiring at coach. Um, yesterday was talking about really how it looked like Rick Tockett was going to be the guy for the Winnipeg Jets. But it was reported that now by Darren Dreger that it's now going to be Rick Bonus, who's had over a decade's worth of experience coaching for four different teams. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor, man. What's the reaction in Jetland? Um, I'm gonna be honest; it's it's not good. Uh, most of us were just kind of like, "Hmm, hmm." I I think the last few weeks have kind of been whiplash because you know you you were on Trot's watch and everything was like, "Oh, this is great!" You know, the, the Trot's is gonna come in if this team wants to be competitive. Fine, you know, the the core is there, and then. Trotz announced he wasn't really coming after the news came out that Wheeler wanted out, Dubois wanted out, and all of a sudden everything just sort of plummeted. I think Jets fans couldn't possibly feel more despondent about the upcoming season until, you know, after that moment happened. But hey, uh, like Billy Mays was famous for saying, there's always more. Um, and our offer of the, the candidacy pool uh, wasn't really inspiring, I'll be honest. I kind of felt like there were a few coaches that would make sense. Um, Pascal Vincent would be a guy for the future that would have been a, a decent option, somebody that you could kind of learn and grow with. Uh, Arneal, I was a little bit less uh, convinced of. And, you know, Tockett, I had a lot of reservations about. Jim Montgomery, for me, was probably among that pool, uh, by and far the best candidate. And apparently they only interviewed him once, so that's not really ideal. Um, from what I understand, bonus was uh, a recommendation from somebody, and apparently late in the process, Winnipeg Media appears not to have known about it at all, really, other than that he might have been linked in like an assistance role, uh, which I would have been fine with. I really don't think as a head coach this is that great of a hire, if I'm being honest, and apparently the contract structure is very short-term, and somebody from the Winnipeg Media says, they can't help but think this is a bridge to Scott Arneal. And I'm like, well, oh, great. Uh, can I destroy that bridge, please? Because that's not quite the news that I'm hoping for. Um, mm -hmm. I just feel like if they're talking about trying to be competitive under bonus, I think they have completely the wrong idea about what this team is capable of. 
And this just feels like they picked the option that seemed, oh, he's made a cup final within the last few years. That guy must be great at coaching uh, rather than looking at what happened under, under bonus. Um, I guess the, the one positive spin is they'll trust the kids. The problem is, is the, the system that they're going to use is probably not the most uh, adept and really with the, the modern game. I think anyone who saw the stars recently knows uh, Jake Ottinger was kind of the, the one man army on that team. So all I can say is Connor Hellebuck, I'm so sorry. Uh, if you thought life was difficult before, it might be about to get a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And we, we think about Rick Bonus's career. This would actually be his, if you count a gap in between where Winnipeg didn't have a hockey team, uh, this will actually be his second time being the coach of the Winnipeg Jets. He was uh, the coach uh, for the Winnipeg Jets team before they moved to Arizona back in the late uh, 80s. And then I also think about also situation in New York when he was there. I mean, it was in the middle of the down years after them winning the cup and an ownership change. By the way, if anyone out there hasn't watched the 30 for 30 big shot about John Spano and the New York Islanders, highly recommend it. So Rick Bonus was there during during that time, during that crazy uh, time in New York as well. But uh, three three playoff appearances in the in twelve seasons for uh, Rick Bonus during his time as coach, and and we're gonna get into the playoffs for uh, Paul Maurice in, the, in segment number two. But let's co- let's f- continue the focus on on the Winnipeg Jets for a second. I mean Barry Trotz. There was no connections for Florida, so I I closed that door for for Trotz way before Paul Maurice was even hired for Florida. But it looked like if if there was a team that he was going to go to, it would have been his hometown in Manitoba. But then when you say uh, Connor wants out, Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out, I think in that situation, if if those two variables change, we could be talking about a very different story for Barry Trotz. But I don't, I don't, I don't want to discredit him wanting to take time for his mental health as well. Or when you talk about bridge deal, this could also talk about, we could also think of it as if it doesn't work out early with the Winnipeg Jets, if Trotz is also ready to coach again, they could go for another run at him. Yeah, I think, you know, Winnipeg has options here. Um, My concern is that I think Trotz probably doesn't want to come to the Jets. And I think once he was willing to walk away, um, the only reason he would probably return is most likely in like a more management capacity. So I think in terms of like the head coaching stuff, I think that part at least most likely is over. I think that door is probably closed. Um, not that it's not, it's like impossible. I just feel like given Trotz wasn't really tempted enough. I think he was really close to, to, to confirming with the jets, but um, you know, his family has a lot of specific needs. Um, and I, I think he just, now, he's been coaching for a long time, and all that time away from your family puts a lot of stress. Um, and I believe his one of his son, I believe, is has some uh, special needs. And you know, having had experience with that personally, I know it can be a lot on the family. And and you know, if he feels that he wanted to spend more time and and help take care, I can understand completely why this for him would be a really important time to maybe take a year off um, and kind of assess what his life is like going forward because he's been coaching for so long. He's already got a cup. Um, and at this rate, you know, what left does he want to prove? Um, and so in that respect, I, I totally understand and I, I get it. Uh, I just think for the Jets, you know, the, the pool of candidates for me wasn't really super exciting. Um, 
I honestly wanted them to go a little bit outside of the box. Even Burnett would have been interesting. I think Andrew has a lot of deficiencies uh, in certain areas, but um, I, I think with time and experience, he could be an interesting candidate for the long term. And it's okay if the Jets in the in the short term are not particularly good. I, I'm fine with that. I just want them to be like watchable and fun. Um, and if they suck and kind of tank for a pick, that's totally okay with me. But I don't think the Jets, uh, especially financially, are excited about that sort of prospect. So bonus, I, I think they think he's going to be the guy to at least try and stabilize things in the interim. Uh, and who knows what the plan is long term, because every time I feel like I get a sense of the Jets, they surprise me in maybe not the best way. <laughs> And hopefully for you, there's uh, less of those uh, surprises. We're we're gonna transition over to the next segment where we're gonna turn it around uh, for me. And now we're gonna be talking about Paul Maurice and his fit with the Florida Panthers and getting the Winnipeg Jets perspective on everything. We're gonna talk about that next on the Locked On Florida Panthers pod and Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. But first, we're gonna tell you all about Bet Online. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL free agency draft, Major League Baseball All-Star Game, and more. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. And BetOnline remains the number one, the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BattleLine.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BattleLine, where the game starts. Second segment here on this crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got Harrison Lee here of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. And Harrison... So it's been over a week now uh, that the Panthers have brought in Paul Maurice uh, to be the next head coach of the Florida Panthers. And, you know, I was starting to warm up to the idea of Paul Maurice even before the hire had even happened. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about what from the from I want to get your take on the Paul Maurice experience, because he was there in Winnipeg for a long time, had two different stints in Carolina Talk about the Paul Maurice experience from your perspective. Oh, okay. So there's 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 two versions of Paul Maurice um, that I think exist. Uh, the first version is the optimistic one. Uh, there is a time when Maurice very much uh, played very high octane hockey, wanted the Jets to be aggressive. Um, you saw that 2017-2018 team was just... I would say in the last 15 years, they're one of the best teams to not actually uh, win the cup. They're just, they were just amazing at what they did. Waves of pressure, um, defenses jumping into the rush, and the consistent cycle game that they built, a power play that just shredded opponents, and uh, really good puck movement at even strength. You could just feel that every time a new line came on, um, they threatened to overwhelm the opposition constantly. And, it, you know, of course, it all came to an unceremonious end in the conference finals. But still, that team, it, it always lives in like a rent free in my head as probably one of the best Jets teams I'll ever live to see. Uh, and that version of Maurice was great because I felt like 
he, for the most part, stepped out of the way of the team, uh, which I think too many coaches these days try to engineer stuff a little bit over engineer. And sometimes that doesn't always really help. Sometimes you just have to let your natural talent and ability um, fit into the systems more so than trying to make them and force them into a fit that doesn't really make sense. The other version of Maurice that exists kind of goes in the opposite direction. Um, and I think especially when he doesn't trust the defense uh, to really facilitate offensive progression without giving up chances going the other way, this version of him really preaches a lot of conservative hockey. That's not exactly exciting. It's very low event. Um, oftentimes you'll have three forwards inside, inside the offensive zone kind of being isolated, which is not great. Uh, and I think in part with the, the coaching staff that he had as his assistants, a lot of Winnipeg's issues became really magnified. Um, the, the dump and change stuff in terms of, you know, really weak defensive support in the offensive zone and in the defensive zone, you know, the, the Jets kept throwing stuff along the boards consistently, which got picked off um, and often led to a lot of a lot of headaches for Connor Hellebuck, a lot of headaches for the defense, uh, really poor first passes from the blue liners. And at times, the Jets played worse than lottery teams. They were a lottery team that was basically carried by Hellebuck for uh, the end of Paul Maurice's tenure. The first few years with him were pretty solid, but after that 2017-2018 team, everything just started to cave in. I think for me, Maurice is the kind of guy that can do really well with a team that maybe struggles with talent because like the defensive results as a whole that he can get are pretty decent. For the Panthers, I think he's an interesting fit because in terms of like trusting your back end, I don't really see there being any issues there. So as long as he's willing to kind of let the team do what it does best um, and really, you know, preach that same, I would say, aggression and stuff and maybe model some of his approaches after Brunette and Quenville, albeit with a little bit more organization uh, than Brunette, I think that things could work out pretty well. The only concern that I would probably have is, you know, that the 2017-2018 team partly came about by accident. Uh, at the start of that year, it wasn't a particularly great run of form. And a lot of it was because his lineup choices uh, weren't particularly great. And the only reason that it coalesced into something special was because of injuries. So I think if he would walk into this situation where you already have a lot of known combos that work... Um, I would really be hard-pressed to understand why he would try to break those up, but that hasn't stopped Jets coaches before. So um, I think that would be the only thing that I would worry about. But aside from that, so long as he's willing to kind of maybe take a step back and not push those buttons, I think he could do just fine uh, in the role that he's going to be given. Mm -hmm. And you spoke about injuries. His job is already going to be harder to begin with because of the injury to Anthony Duclair which is likely going to make Sam Reinhart go from the third line right wing position over to the second line. And we, we spoke about how we spoke about over D, Twitter DM about how he forces a lot of minutes to his uh, top six. So uh, it, it's not really balanced as far as time on ice from the experience that you've seen up in um, Winnipeg as well. So that could be a very hard situation for the Panthers to be in. And we already, dis I, I personally already discussed who could be the candidates uh, to fill in that, the bottom six part of the Panthers. So is it going to be an, uh, I ask, sometimes ask myself, is it going to be an overwhelming amount of time on ice that it's going to be such a big difference 
between the top six and the bottom six for the Panthers, especially because they're cap strapped right now in a, in a, in a way with Keith Yandel's, uh buyouts being on the book as well. So that's going to be a little bit of uh, tough uh, decisions that Bill Zito is going to make. And also Paul Maurice in his introductory press conference spoke about how they don't want to abandon the office, but the offense, but the they want to focus more on the defensive uh, part of their game because that's where it starts. But you spoke, you said something in your in your most recent answer about being too conservative on the defensive end. I have a part of me has a really hard time believing that with the offense they had last year and the known commodities that they have, that it'll slow down too much. That it, I don't think that we'll see a complete 180 for this Panthers team as far as offensive production going all the way to the other end. I mean, we kind of saw it in the in the playoffs a little bit. Their defense was, um, well, at least their goaltending was really good in in the playoffs, but the offense just didn't come through. But I think it's more, once again, a, a lack of experience with Andrew Burnett. And you also mentioned organization that Paul Maurice has uh, there. So that that's what I think really has helped with the coaching change and what could bring, um, what could make these players better. Yeah, I think so long as... Um... I think that his changes have to be more on the defensive side in terms of like how guys mark you know mark in the systems, how they track back, um, where they're positioned prior to plays occurring. I think that there's stuff that he can do because Brunette definitely seemed to preach a lot of offense first. Um, but of course, when it came to dealing with counters off the rush and stuff, uh, the Panthers really got killed there. Um, and it was very apparent towards the end that they were starting to tire out just in general. Um, so maybe Maurice's approach might work a little bit better to try and conserve energy. Um, the one thing that I <laughs> that does bother me still uh, is that sometimes in those elimination games, I felt like he made some lineup decisions that kind of put the Jets in a really bad position. Um, so I'm hoping that it doesn't come to that with the Panthers. Um, I, I think for the most part, I think that there is a decent chance of it being a fit. I didn't feel Maurice for me was the number one candidate that I would have installed there. Uh, but Agreed. so long as he kind of goes back to um, his, his tactics and approach that worked in 2017, 2018, I think it can be an okay marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, Andrew Cobb uh, um, was one of those players that got uh, that got healthy scratch in the game seven against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And we just saw I just saw a report saying that Andrew Cobb will be testing a free agency. Uh, so. And with uh, the Rangers advancing as far as they did, that pick turned into a first-round pick for the Winnipeg Jets. So um, may- maybe an opportunity for uh, for the Jets to enhance what I don't know if it, I don't know if you call it a rebuild or retooling. I don't know what you call it there. Yeah, I don't think anyone at this point knows because uh, the Jets haven't really tipped their hand. Um, and honestly, like a, a rebuild would have been the right decision, but if bonus is intended to not even just retool, but just try and make this team competitive. Um, yeah, uh, I don't have a lot of hope right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get more into the the futures for the Panthers and the Winnipeg Jets in the next segment of the show. We're going to talk about that next. But first, we're going to tell you all about Built Bar and introducing the Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably have tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? 
Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's a fluffy cloud of chocolate brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, all delicious. Coconut Brownie Chunk Puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to Built.com to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All Built Bars are made with calcium protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides a ton of health benefits. Eat something good that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about Built Puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they are actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy the sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Third and final segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got Harrison Lee. And because I'm from South Florida, uh, I have to say this. The Winnipeg Jets are the type of Jets that we actually like down here. We we don't we don't like those other other jets. So <laughs> got to put had to put that in the show, Harrison. But uh, let's talk about futures for both of these teams of what what next year's could look like. And you know, the Panthers are coming off winning the President's Trophy and then you know getting swept in round round two against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, they didn't look their best uh, in round one against the Washington Capitals, but hey, they found a way to out talent the the Capitals. And with the Panthers, I realize that this Paul Maurice hire brings in experience as well, but I also think that with the landscape of the NHL as well, along with the flat cap and that the fact that teams that are selling can easily manipulate other teams saying, Hey, you want our players at the deadline? Give us as many picks because we know, we know you are in a cap crunch. So there's an opportunity for these teams that are rebuilding or on the verge of a rebuild, like the, like the Winnipeg jets. Um, They could manipulate more teams to get more first round picks and Hey, who knows? And a, and a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade can uh, can bring something there, even though they already traded for him a few years ago. But there's an oper- also an opportunity for a buyer to completely fall off the cliff as well. Because the Panthers, this team, of course they had, still have their core around them, but as far as the complementary pieces that are going to be added this offseason, and, uh, and we don't know how much of a known commodity some of the AHL uh, players are going to be, are going to be when they, when they do make their way up like a Gregory Denisenko and a Cole Schwitt. This also for the Panthers could be an opportunity for them to fall flat on their face as well. Not, not something I wish as um, for, for this team, but it's an opportunity uh, for them um, as well to either. I think this could go one of two ways, either go all the way or fall flat on their face and be in the, in the middle uh, where injuries could catch up to them, and then you those five million ish dollars of Keith Yandel's buyout that's on the books, uh, it would be needed to go elsewhere, but they can't. So that's where I stand really on the Florida Panthers side of things, even though I'm very hopeful uh, for this upcoming season. How about the Winnipeg Jets perspective on things? Uh, prognosis is failing. I'll be honest; it's it's not feeling great right now. Um, the Jets are kind of in this weird purgatory spot where you're not really good enough to compete. 
but you also have a lot of players who are sort of in their prime ages. Um, and, you know, the, the fans have spent a decade watching this team. And sure, the Jets have made the playoffs a number of times. But when you really think about it, only two of those appearances were meaningful. The rest were basically Hellebuck doing Hellebuck uh, with some supplemental support. I mean, it's not like it was completely him, but um, obviously it was clear that finishing talent and stuff kind of subbed for actually playing competent hockey at times. Uh, the Jets have continually had a really poor penalty kill. The even strength play has been pretty mediocre, uh, and the power play has kind of gone in and out of being really good to kind of mediocre, back to good again, and it's just pendulum swinging constantly. So I think that Jets are basically marred by inconsistency in a lot of areas, uh, but one thing that has kind of been consistent is that they've been underwhelming. Um, and I, I hate to characterize this franchise as really mediocre, but I think in a lot of ways from the ground up, it's just a really average sort of team. Uh, and, and the direction and leadership of the organization hasn't really given me a lot of faith that they understand how to get this team back on track within the, like the next two to three years. This upcoming season, I was really excited about for the longest time. I was like, hi, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're getting a change in the coaching staff. Um, a lot of the assistant coaches that I felt really weren't bringing their best um, have, have been asked to kind of change out, which gives the Jets an opportunity to bring in some really good hires. And so I was thinking, oh, you know, this is like an ideal time. Maybe the Jets start kind of working on rebuilding. Maybe the team gets faster and more skilled. Uh, and then, of course, the, bo the bonus news drops. Um, Dubois says he wants to be out. Wheeler is, is done. I'll say for Wheeler, I think that's probably for the best. Uh, he just physically can't keep up these days at, on like a first line deployment. Um, the days of him where he could just sort of carve opponents and sort of run by defenders definitely has passed. But I still think that in the right role, he'll be productive elsewhere. It's just I don't think for the Jets, it really makes sense anymore. Uh, the Dubois one is a tougher pill to swallow because I kind of felt like he was the guy that I wanted to um, make our, our number one C. Is he like an elite, elite, elite first line center? Not white on the level of guys like, say, um, McKinnon or Matthews, obviously, but still a really good player um, and somebody that you could probably build a really great top six around. Unfortunately, that ship has kind of sailed, and apparently Mark Shifley is intended to stay, so uh, I, I just don't really know what the, the future is. I mean, the team is not going to be good next year. I don't see a reason for them to actually make the playoffs, um, and unless something miraculously changes and bonus somehow unlocks a vast potential that nobody else has i really struggle to understand the direction um i really <laughs> i honestly feel like my enthusiasm for this upcoming season could not have gone down faster than what the jets have kind of done over the past couple of weeks and some of it's not their fault some of it was unavoidable but there were also situations where i felt you know years of neglect has put them in this position they didn't take advantage after 2017 2018 they didn't build on that core they kept bringing in guys like Lucas Abisa thinking, oh, this is going to fix the problem. No, Lucas Abisa and guys like this, they help fortify your depth on like the seventh defender role or something. But in terms of making your team a competitor, that's just not how you build. Uh, and now this is unfortunately the price that they're going to have to pay. So, um, yeah, I I think the Panthers, I'm, I'm pretty confident in the Panthers doing well. Uh, as far as the Jets are concerned, yeah, I, I ain't putting money on them. Mm. And I think about also the loyalty that's been with uh, with the players and the and the front office with uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, Blake Wheeler has been there since they were um, in Atlanta. Mark Shifley uh, was even though he was uh, drafted shortly after they 
moved uh, from Atlanta as well. Kevin Shevoldayoff has been there since they were the Atlanta Thrashers as well. So uh, it, it's it, it just seems like after it's like a long marriage that has kind of stalled it, it, in, in a way that there's not really bringing in the excitement anymore to that marriage. And then it seems um, that it's kind of taking a little bit long to kind of make a divorce. I know there was a controversy with Kevin Shevoldayoff after everything that went happened in Chicago. But I want to ask you, Harrison, is uh, what's what's what 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 do you think is do you think that Kevin Shovel Dayoff coming into this year will be on the hot seat for the Winnipeg Jets? That I don't really know. Um, there's been apparently an announced three year extension that was not officially announced. Um, I don't even know how that happens. I don't know how you can tell somebody you've got a three year contract, but then just not formally or publicly acknowledge it. Uh, so. Whatever happens, I think this is Shovel Day Off's team for the temporary time being. I don't really know how long or short his leash is. When Maurice was here, there was a big power struggle between Paul um, and and uh, Shovel Day Off and Mark Chipman, who kind of sees the oversees the team itself. Um, he definitely had his hand in it. It kind of reminded me of like was it the the, the da- or the Dallas Cowboys um, with uh, ownership maybe taking a little bit too much of an interested stake in player operations and stuff. So I think the Jets are kind of stuck in a similar situation, and I don't really know how this relationship this year is going to work. My hope is that, you know, there's more of an emphasis on the youth and stuff. But I again, you know, Shavla Dayoff's kind of a weird one because for all of the players that he has had a hand in helping to draft, um, it's really hard to say that we've seen his philosophy reflected in the team. And he'll often trade for, like, these guys who are just like, I don't understand what you would want to waste assets for, you know, trading for these guys who don't move the needle. My guess is they were probably Paul Maurice's requests. Um, Mo definitely likes those grittier physical types, which, you know, can be helpful in certain situations, but uh, they kind of have to be skilled um, to, to really fit that role. And unfortunately, the Jets don't like spending assets on really elite players. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of get kind of get where that went. But um, yeah, I think Shovel Day Off is kind of in a weird spot. This is going to be a true test of what he sees as the future of this team. I know that he likes guys like Billy Heinle a lot. He talked about him endlessly in this offseason. But, you know, if there aren't results in the next couple of years, I think he's probably out because the Jets are bleeding money. And uh, that's always been a consideration with this team. Um, <laughs> they have had to change their season ticket structure. I know that the season ticket renewals have not been great recently. So, um yeah, I, I think the Jets are in a really sensitive spot. I think that they feel forced to try and compete, even though it's probably not in the best interest of the team. And I don't really know how Shovel Dayoff is going to nav- navigate that. I would say that for the Jets, these are very much untested waters. And <laughs> nothing in this team's history recently gives me a lot of confidence that they know how to get through it. So all I could say is I just hope that they don't do something too stupid. Mm. Yeah, Winnipeg has the reputation of being... Uh, of being patient with their coaches and their um, GMs. And I remember when the Florida Panthers played the Winnipeg Jets in Manitoba, it was a crowd of only uh, 250 people in in that game. So when you talk about uh, bleeding money, it also comes with a ticket revenue as well for, for people around the area. So they're trying to bring in everything from different parts to, you know, bring back to their pockets. So you, so it kind of makes sense as to why that's the case for the Winnipeg Jets and, and their ownership. 
But Harrison, I want to thank you so much for doing this crossover edition with me uh, for this crossover of Locked On Panthers and Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you and your work online. So, uh, I, of course, I have Locked On Winnipeg Jets as our, our primary podcast on YouTube and on all the same platforms that you'll find Locked On Panthers. You can find me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. I promise I'll actually treat, tweet more from the Lockdown account soon. Uh, I do most of my tweets and, and uh, my Jets rantings at my personal account, but you can find me there. And if you feel like reading what I write, which it's not that frequent, uh, I also write for Arctic Ice Hockey. So whatever version you want, whether you're still one of those weird people who actually reads these days, I know who does that. Um, you'll find my work there. But in the meantime, Lockdown Winnipeg Jets is, is where you'll find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Harrison. Thanks for having me. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to subscribe to Lockdown Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Steel Road, and we'll be covering all the offseason activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL will be covering everything from the upcoming NHL entry draft to free agency and all the offseason moves. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Sarmar de Velez with Harrison Lee. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day.